Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nucleus Investment Insights. Today we're going to ask the question, is cost inflation beginning to bite? On the agenda, we'll discuss if the earnings boom will continue, as earnings have rocketed off the COVID lows, and question if this is sustainable. Next, we'll look in depth at Q1 earnings and explore whether companies are suffering from inflation or whether they're passing these costs on to consumers. Then we'll have a look at the economic slowdown and how this is tracking to date. We'll also analyze earnings in the US from the top down and then from different regions around the world. We'll also analyze some charts of different sectors as well. Uh, and then if we have time, we'll look at some individual stocks. And as always, we'll cover the investment implications at the end. And just an FYI for our viewers, uh, you can download today's slides from our website at nucleuswealth.com forward slash webinars. Uh, we generally put them up in the afternoon. So if you want to have a more in-depth look, uh, feel free uh, to download them at your leisure. Uh, so my name's Sam Kerr. I'm a senior financial advisor at Nucleus Wealth. And today, as always, we'll be joined by the founder and chief investment officer at Nucleus Wealth, Damien Klassen. Hi, Sam. Hey, Damo. Uh, so everybody may have noticed that today's webinar is a day later than usual. Yes. Uh, because, yes, Damien and his whole family have had COVID. Uh, so, Damo, thanks for yep. soldiering on and just six, six, six from six. We've up to now. So we had our, our our final holdout tested positive this morning. So, yes, we're we're now got the full, <laughs> full set. So, yeah. Well, yes. uh, anyway, through yeah, the worst of it. Yeah, we, we all hope you get better soon and um, I hope for a speedy recovery. Yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. And yeah, just, just a quick reminder before we get started. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell below to be notified when we go live or have a new episode recorded. Alternatively, follow us on your preferred podcast platform. Our show is available on all the majors. And for those of you listening in live, feel free to drop your questions in the YouTube live stream chat and we'll do our best to answer them uh, during the show. So now that we've got that housekeeping out of the way, we'll uh, get started. So, Damo, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I wanted to run through the earnings season. And, um, you know, we posed this question, you know, uh, whether inflation, whether infl whether cost inflation is beginning to bite. Whether cost inflation is beginning to bite. Are we looking at companies where margins are starting to contract because wages are rising and the wages are rising and they can't pass it on to customers? And the um, no, still the answer is um, no, still the before I do, I sort of start with just I should start with a just quick recap of, of how um, how I tend to look at season reporting season because there is so much there is so much information, so many different ways you can look at these and companies are always companies are always trying to report things in things in the way they look best, the way they look best. So and so I just want to give you some big give you some big picture of views because what you often because what you often what you often see is this idea this idea about whether companies have Forecast, forecast or not, and and um, to me that's to me that's 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 a bit of that's a bit of a furphy. It's not it's something, not something really you don't really want to um, pay, pay too, too, much too much attention to on the numbers, numbers again. Because what, what often happens is uh, a company, a company an analysts will be forecasting, forecasting um, um, you know, a dollar, dollar ten, ten earnings for, for, for a company, and, and the balance rolls, rolls around say thirty first of. Of March, March and, and a few, and a few days, days later, the company is going through its numbers and they're going, going we're not going to make dollar ten. It's, it's, it's going to be about 10% lower than that. And so, and so they, they go out to the market. market. They haven't got the actual numbers yet. They haven't reported their numbers to the market. But they go out and they, they, they either talk analysts down or they, they put out an announcement that sort of says, you know, well, if, they, if they'd previously given guidance, you know, they'll bring it back down and go, oh, well, you know, we're end of, end of the quarter and, and you know, you know, 
whatever's been a bit weak and, and we just, we think earnings will be somewhere between you know 95 cents and a dollar and five or something like that and analysts will come in and and and, and they'll change the numbers to be to be dollar um you know as, as, their, as their forecast and then three or four weeks later the company will come out with its actual audited results and let's say at that point it comes in at like a dollar and two and so and then everyone goes oh it's a beat you know the analysts were expecting um a uh, dollar came in with a dollar and two cents. That's it's beat forecast. And it's like, well, yeah, but only because the company downgraded three weeks ago um, when they when they'd had a look at their earnings. And so, um, yeah, so there's this sort of consistent issue about what what numbers are you really looking at. So, um, and then you have all these different types of um, adjustments to go into it. So uh, you get companies that they sort of start talking about their their numbers, you know, and excluding a whole bunch of different. Um, uh, costs usually costs sometimes sometimes uh, revenues, but but most likely it's excluding a bunch of costs that are sort of one off in nature, or, or the company is deemed to be to be not worth including in the in the comparisons. And so um, yeah, so so we have sort of a couple of different ways we look at it. One is we have a we look at a sort of um, what we think the beats are from about a month prior to the actual result and seeing what the uh, how that comes out. And the other thing is um, we look a lot more at, at forecasts. What, what do forecasts do post the results? Because there's one thing just for a company to come in and say, oh, you know, we beat uh, earnings forecast by 15% and, you know, and margins are up and everything's fantastic. And then you, t- you, and you, and you look at the company and go, oh, that, that, looks fan- that looks great, you know, that must be a, a hugely positive result. And then the next thing you see is, is the stock's fallen 5 or 10% because everyone, everyone's downgraded their, their forecasts. And so a lot of that is because, um, you know, once you dig into the numbers and, and look at all the exclusions they've done and, and, and really, you know, go forward, that's where you get a better picture of was this a good result or, or not a good result. So, you know, with that in mind, um, uh, I just wanted to sort of give you, say, uh, a longer-term view as well. And I'm using a lot of the S&P 500 numbers here just because it's a, um, it is a big index. Uh, you get a lot of quarterly data. So Australia, you don't get the quarterly reporting. Um, Europe, it's 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 a lot more mixed as well as to whether you get quarterly reporting and, and to what level. But in in terms of the companies we're looking at, that the large cap companies in in the US, um, uh, you know, are, are a good place to start. Uh, and you can see on this chart I'm showing that it's a net earnings revision. So it's basically how many upgrades are we seeing versus um, uh, downgrades to to forward earnings. Uh, and we've just been through this huge blue patch um, over the last two years, where which is pretty much unprecedented in terms of the size, um, you know, over the last uh, sort of 30 or 40 years that's shown on this chart. So, you know, there's some pretty strong upgrades post the financial crisis in, in uh, 2009. Um, you had some good, strong upgrades post um, the tech, once the tech boom had all finished and, and, and crashed, you know, so, so sort of the, the mid... Um, 2000s, uh, sort of 2003, 2004, but but really, it's the size and the scale of this this latest batch of upgrades has been um, has been pretty unprecedented, um, and so and and it's still positive, um, but it's it's obviously come down a long way from um, uh, from how positive it was, uh, you know, six or twelve months ago. So, and I think that's that's largely the tale. Oh, sorry, actually, one of, one other big picture thing I wanted to get to with with these forecasts as well is. Particularly first-year forecasts. What we're talking really, while while they're coming from analysts, um, I think of them largely as uh, as company forecasts uh, because companies, and particularly big companies, have the investor relations departments. They speak with analysts. They'll talk about the numbers. If they see analyst numbers that are way out of whack, they'll they'll call the analyst up and talk to them and work out why the numbers are, are so much higher than everyone else or what they're doing, and 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 uh, you know just 
make gentle suggestions if the analysts might have things wrong about where where they might have them wrong and same not just too high too high too low um you know that's their job to keep the market um fully informed and so um a lot of that sort of revolves around getting that 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 back and so you know the analysts really um it's more about a flavor than a um than, than sort of the picking the actual food type if, if you know what i mean like so uh a company will come out and say you know we're expecting earnings to be up somewhere between um 10 and 12 percent um over the next you know over the next quarter or over the next year or whatever and and so some analysts will come out and go oh, I'm, I'm really bullish on this i think you know the company says 10 to 12 and i'm, I'm going to say 14 and then someone else goes go oh no no i'm, I'm really bearish i'm going to say it's eight percent and, and and what happens is the usually the 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 margin of error of between the best the, the the most optimistic analyst and the least optimistic or or you know a reasonable range of those analysts like they they're in quite a small distribution and then when you look at the the actual range of distribution it's like three or four times bigger than that so so you know the amount of confidence so to speak you see in analyst forecasts is um is way higher than than, than what it actually comes out to be so so there there are a lot, earnings are a lot more volatile than, than what you get and a lot of that is because those earnings are pretty much coming from the companies and so that's one part which which is not a problem usually in in normal times that's that's um you know that's the, the best guide we have uh, what happens though is when you go through large sort of macroeconomic um, uh, distortions, uh, that's where companies tend to be uh, some of the last ones um, to know what's going on. So when you're running into the the financial crisis or when you're you're hitting um, pandemics and things like that, if you've got uh, you, you'll often find uh, analysts will just or companies will just freeze and analysts will just freeze. So um, pandemic hits, you know, earnings falling, analysts companies don't know what numbers are going to do they've got literally no idea whether they're recovering or not recovering and so they'll just won't do they'll just say oh, well, we're ceasing our um our guidance and analysts sit there and and some of them downgrade and some of them leave the numbers and and a lot of people just hope the problem's going to go away and so often there's a there's a fair lag in terms of before you actually start seeing the genuine downgrades and that's where um you know some of the macroeconomic outlooks and hopefully that's where you know where we add some value in, in terms of these is is actually that part about looking forward, and the question for me is, you know, are we reaching one of those phases now where, um, you know, we've seen uh, a, a record speed of interest rate rises, and, and around the world we're seeing um, more supply chain problems, lockdowns in China, um, all these other things going on that are sort of pointing towards a negative outcome. Um, hasn't yet hit the earnings um and very clearly you know I want to be upfront and say you know we're, we're quite negative on a number of things in the markets but that's not being reflected in earnings yet um you know all in all you'd sort of say this reporting season's been relatively good um but the question is you know is that coming so um i'll give you an indication as well i've got another slide here which is just showing how earnings revisions typically um come about over over the year so if if you look at the um uh if you look at the second year i'll, I'll take the chart on the on the right first because it's, it's it's a little bit more extreme um and shows probably a better indication of what analyst forecasts do is it typically what you do is if you started with analyst forecasts in a um uh at a point in time when, and it was 100 and then you looked at how that changed over time on average you'd find that 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 forecast of 100 would downgrade by about five percent over this period sort of showing so it's just sort of uh there's there's, there's optimism built into forecasts and, and so gradually over time you'd expect that that to to just keep declining um and 
if you uh, if you sorry, if you included so all, everything, you sort of get more like ten percent downgrade. But if you um, exclude the sort of COVID and financial crisis, then then it's more like about a five or six percent downgrade you, you'd get on average. And that's just this natural optimism that analysts um, sort of have over 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 numbers, and especially later numbers. And I'll get, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but what we've seen so far since um, for the for the first few months of this year is actually the opposite happening. So we've actually seen a, a pretty solid upgrades, and um, uh, and and so that's a you know a sign that. Uh, companies are managing to keep, keep that profitability certainly so far, and that the um, the sort of the quite extreme profit growth we've seen over the last few years um, certainly hasn't gone away yet. Um, but um, yeah, so you know, I guess it's a it's it's still a very strong um, some, some some very strong results. And Damien, uh, what's what's really driven all the sort of earnings growth and the and the profitability since the since the sort of COVID lows? Uh, okay, so. Since uh, I'll, I'll, let me go back first to go the last three or four months. Most of it is energy stocks, so that's been the the the, the vast bulk of this rise. So um, obviously we saw oil prices and and gas prices and and coal prices have all rocketed um, uh, as uh, Russia invaded um, the Ukraine, and that sort of then lead to led to a, um, much higher earnings expectations for all those companies, and, and also. Um, uh, extended uh, higher profits because uh, you know people aren't expecting this these problems to go away quickly. Uh, since the COVID lows, uh, a lot of it's just been the well the amount of stimulus and the amount, amount of government money that sort of got pumped into the economy um, was was one big measure. Um, the uh, there's there a reasonable amount of productivity gains uh, companies had, uh, and then. Um, uh, but yeah, actually, that, that'd be the, the two main ones. The sort of companies were forced to make changes, and, and so um, that sort of led to some productivity gains, and um, uh, and then the other side, uh, the amount of government stimulus, sort of all this extra money sloshing around, um, yeah, ended up in the in the in the arms of companies. So then we get to I've got another another one where I look at companies, a little just quarter by quarter earnings in in the US. And in this one, so this is sort of an idea about as the quarters sort of um, go on, as, as you sort of progress from one quarter to the next, uh, how do earnings change? And so we can see that um, there's a blue line right at the bottom, which is the, the quarter the quarter one earnings, and they sort of rose quite sharply, right? So this is ex the expectation for how much companies were going to earn in, in um, quarter one of, uh, of 2022. And the that rose quite sharply right throughout 2021 as, as analysts sort of upgraded their, their numbers. At the start of the year, um, it's actually started to fade, so the uh, that sort of you know, tailed off, and, and and there were downgrades happening, and then as the reporting season action happened, you know that's rocketed up. So we've seen a, a significant rise into that. Um, so that's for the large cap stocks. On the on the right is the small cap stocks, um, and it's uh, it's it's not the same for the small cap stocks. I guess is the the message. Uh, having said that, though, you know that's Q1. There are some distortions almost always in terms of these numbers and trying to work out what's what are real numbers and what's not and what was unexpected and what was you know what's what's a true underlying recurring number is is always difficult. Um, looking at these later uh, forecasts, there still is this sort of um, a gentle upward slope to all these lines, which is which is a positive. Um, you know when when you're seeing that those numbers are arising, that's sort of you know more support for earnings, and it's not sort of what you typically see. So, um, 
And then if I put that into sort of a longer term picture, I mean, this is sort of why you buy the stock market, why you buy stocks in the first place is we've got this blue line, which is the forward earnings for companies. So how much we're we expecting companies to earn over the next, over the following 12 months. And that's sort of every, every day sort of updates with a one more day of next year and one fewer day of this year. And, um, uh, and just a rolls throughout time. So you can see sort of post COVID there, that blue line has basically been as steep as it's ever been. It's just, uh, you know, it has just been rocketing higher. Uh, and then the uh, it, the most recent time, it's still, you know, still headed higher. And in encouragingly, both sort of 2022 and 2023 uh, have seen the seen the upgrades. Um, once we dig a little bit more into that, we'll see a lot of that is 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 energy, but certainly it's not. Um, it's certainly not a negative picture in other sectors. It's just a, it's just a very positive um, picture on. Um, it's more like a neutral picture on most other sectors. But but anyway, we'll get we'll get into that as we go. Um, the other one I wanted to show was just a you know, same numbers presented slightly differently as as growth rates. So if you want to look at the growth in earnings, um, you know I've got this. Uh, I guess rule of thumb that that I use, which is basically that that analyst growth or, or company growth, as I spoke about, growth forecasts basically start at ten percent in every year, and then then they then they go one one way or the other, um, and and it's sort of like that that idea that you know if 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 you're not quite sure what the company's going to earn, let's call it ten percent, and then when things get closer, if it's looking like going to be ten percent, you know you uh, sorry if it's going to be more than ten percent, then you start upgrading, and less than ten percent, then you start get downgrading. And that's largely, if you look at the east line, that's largely what you see, um, you know, right throughout that period back in 2012, 2013, 2014, um, um, 15, 16, all the analyst forecasts started at around about 10% growth. And then as time went on, they just gradually went down, 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 down. Um, then every now and again, you get a, a year like 2018, when you get these massive tax cuts and um, earnings all of a sudden take this huge jump up from the, from the tax cuts. But you know, again, that's 2019, 2020. You can just sort of see that that's those earnings um, start at 10% and then go from there. And that's basically where we are for for 2022. Earnings are, are still at um, 10%, and 2023 haven't moved. So um, yeah, it does. I mean, absent anything happening, which you know, I think I do think we're, gonna, we're in for a slowdown in the second half. But absent anything happening. Uh, absent that, I would have thought that 2022 would, you know, 10% was probably reasonable. Um, we're, we're far enough in to know that it's probably going to be close. It's it's looking right now, right now, looking like being close to 10%. The 2023 numbers, I don't take any real, um, uh, you know, any real heart from that forecast being 10%. That's just a typical forecast at, at this far out, if that makes sense. So, yeah, so that's sort of the big picture um, overview. Uh, if we break into some of the sectors and some of the uh, the countries, so firstly on a country basis, um, largely the same regardless of how you look at it. Um, there haven't really been upgrades to 2022 or 2023 for the for the median companies. So, yeah, this is another problem you have with all these numbers. Are we talking about averages? Are we talking about medians most of the charts i've just been showing before about averages so that they're um they're affected by what's happening with large companies uh then if we look back at the sort of median company and say what's happening um yeah what's happening for uh the the middle of the distribution so um then we're basically looking at no change to forecasts so some companies upgrading some some downgrading but that's actually not a bad result um you know that's 
that's less typical than what you'd um what you might expect. Like the, the typically would actually see uh, uh, more downgrades than than upgrades. Um, and then uh, the other thing then is um, in terms of sector earnings. Um, if we look at the sector earnings, uh, you get a you get a very different story here. So you can certainly see within sector earnings that um, almost all of it's coming from, well, certainly in terms of the upgrades, almost all of it's coming from the uh, the energy sector, a little bit from the material sector, and, and most other sectors are, uh, are neutral in terms of the uh, in terms of how they're looking. And is this sustainable, Damien? Do you think if it's all coming from energy, or is that going to sort of peter out? Ah. No, it's, yeah, I don't think it is sustainable. I think there's, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, actually, let me let me start a little bit around that. No, no actually, let's uh, let me keep going with the analysis first of what's what's happening at the moment, and then let's get into where we think it's going forward. Because I think from the analysis, certainly at the moment, is um, you'd say absent any uh, macroeconomic outlook, you know, the, the the view from companies at the moment is still, as at this reporting season, um, is still relatively good. There's, there's not a lot of upgrade, not, not a lot of downgrades. Um, slight, um, you know, yes, there hasn't been a lot of upgrades, but but given the the natural bias to downgrades, you know that that's a good thing. Um, uh, and and the the fact that it's quite broad based is 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 relatively positive as well. Um, one of the things to note, I guess, in terms of looking at say, um, I've got another one, another chart here that's looking at the earnings estimates for. Uh, quarter two so just sort of starting to look at you know what where we have seen upgrades and downgrades which sectors so so as we spoke energy and materials are the biggest ones industrials and utilities have actually seen some upgrades but most other sectors have seen downgrades and and particularly some of the uh, commercial services um uh down quite heavily and um some of the discretionary sectors are uh, are also down um margins so in terms of that that was a you know just in terms of keeping an eye on that um the i spoke before about you know the effect of uh of effect of inflation you know we're seeing that yet and, and the answer is quite clearly no we're still at these record margins so this is the uh i've got the s p 500 quarterly operating margin there so you can see it's sort of rising from six or seven percent up to 13 percent over the last um what's that 30 years so and, and pretty steady upward upward trend to that margin so it looks um, it looks very impressive that one, that line. Uh, it is worth keeping in mind that that's um, there's changing composition issues within that. So, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, companies with lower margins uh, tend to be ones that had um, back sort of in the in the 90s, for example. You tend to have a lot more manufacturing companies um, or, or even a sort of big retailers in there where they were actually turning over that. So the sales was quite high and the profit per, for every sale um, was quite low, which is very different to um, to you know your Apples and your Facebooks and your, and your Googles and and your Microsofts who make these massive massive margins from um, uh, for every dollar of sales. You know, often they can get 40 percent of it um, come through as as profits. And so, um, and we've also had uh, lots of tax cuts over that time frame as well. So, you know, the average tax rate has gone down quite um, quite substantially over that time period. So, while this sort of line looks like, um, 
you know, the steady upward march and um, it's often hard to explain, well, why, why is this, you know, why is, why are margins going to keep rising, you know, ad infinitum? Um, there is uh, the, the structural changes and, and the issues with different, different sectors within that. Um, and then the other one is, uh, in terms of those margins, is that, uh, what was the other one? Oh, there's the outsourcing part as well, is that, you know, if you, if you have a, a product where, so something like a Boeing, for example, used to make a lot of the things in-house. It would actually have, um, it would, uh, it would hire the staff. Um, it would create the products and and sort of be be fully integrated into the whole process. Whereas whereas once they start outsourcing it, or even things like where you might sell your land and lease, um, often that can improve the margins, um, the operating margins that you that you've got, and um, uh, as, you, as you sort of sell your assets and, and lease your assets, um, so it sort of brings down your some of your costs. Um, so yeah, so it depends upon how how the how the whole the whole trend to both more services, um, the the rise of the IT companies, and then more and more outsourcing is sort of all leads to that um, higher operating margins, which is which is why when we're trying to assess companies, we tend to look at it um, you know, relative to their their own group rather than worrying about um, yeah, you know, this, this line about how high it can go. That makes sense. Um, okay. That was sector earnings. Sorry, was there a question I, I skipped over, Sam? Uh, there was, there was a question back at the start. It's, um, it's a little bit unrelated about fertilizer shortages. Do you want to address that now or address that, uh, maybe at the end? Uh, now let's, yeah, I'll, I'll hit that after I've hit these next, this next couple of slides. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so the, the next thought then is this whole, you know, what's going forward and um, you know, what are the issues which could potentially drag on earnings? Because this is the this is the part where you know our, our companies sort of uh, our companies walking into this going, yeah, okay, we're, our best guess is that everything looks fine, but but um, you know we haven't factored in the fact that uh, that China's locked down half its country and and. Or not, maybe not half its country. Sorry, that's that's overstating it. But locking down a number of major areas, um, particularly number of major ex export areas, and are going through. It looks like they're they're pretty set on 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 keeping that policy um, probably for the rest of the year, maybe maybe into the next year as well. Um, there's uh, so so that's that's going to be affecting things. Uh, we're looking at much much higher interest rates in a very short period of time um, is affecting things. I've got a chart up here showing um, uh, the corporate sentiment index, and that's a um, that's sort of a that's a, a survey that gets done, and then you look at uh, so so it's a survey of customers, survey survey of corporates, and then you look uh, one quarter later at, at what actually happened to the to the earnings, and there's a pretty good um, correlation between those two lines, uh, and we're, we've just sort of recorded one of the most negative corporate sentiment, um, re you know. Uh, corporate sentiment readings that, that, we've, that we've ever seen, sort of on, on par with um, 2008, 2009 lows and, and, and similar, and maybe not as, not as deep as uh, 2020, but, um, but yeah, quite, quite substantially, um, a quite a substantially negative reading, uh, which would indicate that, that earnings are about taking a hit. Um, there's, uh, we've obviously got some more supply chain problems, uh, much higher energy costs, um, you know, weighing on demand, but you know, the bigger one, biggest one for, for me is, um, you know, the idea that, 
we've basically got the the um, central banks around um, saying that they want to bring uh, inflation back under control, and we have this supply side problem. Um, and so, effectively, what they what they're suggesting is they're going to cause a recession in order to bring down bring demand down to a level that this sort of matches um, the supply, or bring certainly if it's not a recession, it'll be something very close to one. Um, and so that's that's the real issue. Is that something which hits in the next quarter? Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, certainly over the next year, I think um, these factors are, are, are some of the key ones we we need to look at in terms of um, you know what's what's going to come out. Um, but you know, I guess this idea is that uh, there's corp. You know, so the, so the overall summary, I guess, is that corporate earnings still look pretty good. Um, but uh, are we about to walk into this other? Are we about to walk into a considerable downgrade? And and our answer is uh, quite possibly. Is it coming in the next quarter? Um, you know, I'd, I'd put better than even odds, but it's not certainly no, nowhere near one hundred percent. By the time you get to the third quarter numbers, um, you know, it's 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 uh, you know based on how we're seeing things at the moment, um, we, we think it's quite likely you'll you'll be seeing earnings coming off quite strongly by the third quarter and 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 certainly into the end of the year. Um, right. So does that make sort of so with that, I'll jump to that question on fertilizers, is it? Yeah, so it's a question from Craig Don. Um, he's just asking, are you able to comment on the extent of fertilizer shortages and price rises in Australia and the implications for food production? Yeah, sure. So, yes, look, it, it's a big issue. Um, I think that the thing to remember with um, with the fertilizer, there's a couple of things with the fertilizer. Okay, so so one is it's fertilizer is very... Um, uh, it's very leveraged to the gas prices and gas prices don't look like they're going anywhere. So gas prices look like they're going to stay high for um, a considerable period of time. Uh, and which means, you know, the number of European uh, companies, uh, gas producing companies where, sorry, a number of European fertilizer companies who, who have to use very expensive European gas are just looking at suspending operations. Um, and so, uh, and that then flows on to, to food production and, um, which then um, uh, you know, could cause problems. So, uh, well, so so that that then means inflation is probably going to stay relatively high in the food part, absent of fall in demand. So that's going to be one one more reason for I guess um, if central banks genuinely want to bring down food demand, um, they need to create enough unemployment to or enough pain, economic pain around the world to in order to do so. Um, the food problems tend not to hit um, uh, rich countries very hard at all. So um, if you're talking about, say, a loaf of bread, um, I feel like the cost was somewhere between 15 and 30 cents. I feel like, I think it was close to 15 cents, say, for the, the cost of the wheat within your, your loaf of bread. So um, you're really not talking about a big rise in terms of if it doubled or tripled, um, you know, you're talking about quite a small change in the overall cost of, of your price of bread. Um, similarly, if you're talking about coffee, like I've seen a few things recently about people talking about, you know, uh, coffee prices are going to have to go to cup for it because of the because of coffee prices rising, and that's complete nonsense. Um, it, they might go to six, seven, eight dollars. I'm not saying that won't happen, but I'm saying it's not because of coffee prices. Coffee prices, in in terms of a, you know, you buy your your four dollar cappuccino or latte or whatever, um, 15, 20 cents of that's the coffee. Um, if that doubles or triples. Again, you know, it's, it's just it's, it's hardly any difference. Um, but what most of the cost is, is it's the machine, it's the milk, it's the rent, it's the price of the barista who's doing it. 
Um, and if those are all going up, then then maybe your coffee price needs needs to rise. But um, you know, in developed countries, um, the actual food cost um, uh, as a percentage of the final product is actually um, surprisingly low relative to all the other costs that are going into it. So the fertilizer side, so sort of following that logic, fertilizer prices are up quite substantially. Um, farms aren't using as much fertilizer, so aren't producing as much crop. Um, therefore, you know, there's more food shortages, which means the food becomes more expensive. Um, but developed countries doesn't doesn't really make that much difference. Um, where it really hits is is developing countries, and and what it tends to do really is is cause um, uh, a lot of uh, geopolitical issues when when that happens, and so that's the real um, sort of danger going forward. Is um, you know the last time we had a lot of um, food shortages and and, and inflation um, was when the Arab Spring sort of happened and and revolutions in um, uh, you know in Libya and and other places sort of um, spot that were sparked off by by the um, uh, in part at least by by food prices. Um, so. You know, I guess the danger is we get another round of um, you know, instability in a lot of countries. Is um, uh, comes from that. Um, from an earnings perspective, uh, yeah, the, the, it's a sort of it's it's a sad part that that developed countries really doesn't doesn't make that much difference. Um, but but yeah, but absolutely from a human perspective and a, and a, the number of people affected, it, it will certainly affect a lot of people, but mostly in poorer countries. Uh, is that anything else there, Sam? That, uh, we're a little bit light on viewer questions today, but that's uh, really insightful, thanks. So we'll just put out the last call for any uh, final viewer questions uh, before we get into the investment implications. Uh, so just drop them in the chat below. Uh, we can answer them after the segment if there's any more questions. Uh, but now we've got our viewer question of the week. Uh, so this is for viewers to have some discussion in the comments section over the coming days. Uh, and there's been some really good interactive chats uh, coming through as well. So the question is, will the earnings boom last? Uh, so feel free to post your thoughts and engage with us and some of the other viewers over the coming days. And uh, Damien, I'll pass it back to you for the investment implications. Yeah. So look, we you know, um, we've spoken a few times about this, and I just want to put it back out there because. It's uh, it's the number one sort of stuff I've probably been saying for a year and a half or two years now is that, you know, markets are supported by central banks and government stimulus, and the number one risk we all face is is policy error. Um, it looks every with every passing day, it looks like we're we're reaching this policy error. Um, there is, uh, you know, the in terms of the the rise in yields that we've seen um, has now we've sort of ran that. Uh, Ran a podcast last week. We think it's now hit the stage where it's time to start taking the other side of that, and we're starting to sort of work our way into that trade. Uh, there's a um, the 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 US dollar keeps rising, um, which which is actually sort of making it making the problem worse for emerging countries. Oh, actually, I didn't show emerging markets on this um, on this slide mainly because you know we deal in in large cap stocks globally is is our sort of focus and. And, um, but if I show those same charts for um, emerging markets, they look way worse. So emerging markets, the profit uh, profits have already started falling, and um, and the, the stronger you see this uh, US dollar, the more the more danger we see for emerging markets. And emerging markets also cop it a lot worse from um, higher energy prices. So um, 
you know, we're expecting um, a relatively quick reversal in terms of um, uh, in terms of inflation. Uh, it, you know, whether it's um, over a year or two years, but we're certainly um, uh, we're certainly not expecting inflation to stay high at any at a particular level because of demand. Um, we think it all it all comes down to supply, and we think that the uh, in, in a world where it's been hard to find demand, um, trying to stuff demand out at this point of the cycle is is going to be really dangerous. And um, uh, you know, quite uh, we're quite nervous about the uh, the the prospect for stocks. And so, um, you know, obviously a big big negative night overnight for um, for the US and 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 back into Australia as well. Um, you know, I guess if, if we're right, this is sort of, we're still, um, you know, we're still in the early stages of this pullback. And so, yeah, it's, it's not time to uh, start taking the other side of it uh, just yet um, on that base. And so at some stage, we are expecting that Australian, uh, the bond yields, yeah, the stocks will capitulate further. Bond yields will, will hit the stage where they they decide that actually, you know, um, the earnings downturn is happening. And so, um, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, at that point, We'll sort of be switching out of the bonds and back into back into stocks, but uh, we're not there yet, and and could be some time. Okay, uh, that's that's great. I'm just just looking through the questions here. Um, I've, we've got one more question that's just come through. So, uh, if your your base case is a few years of higher rates and inflation, mm. uh, then is it going to be deflation or stagflation? Um, and uh, yep. yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, deflation. Um, look, we might po post that period. You might go back into a period of of, of stagflation. Um, I think there's uh, deflation's the most likely in terms of um, uh, we're still of the view that most of the inflation we've seen is coming from supply issues. Um, there has been a lot done on a lot of these supply uh, chains and, and a lot of the products that are sort of being sold at much higher prices. And, and I think partly looking at um, how high um, profits are managing to stay is that, that sort of reflects it is there's, there's a lot of products out there people are more than willing to sell it at, at yesterday's prices um, it's just that uh, there isn't enough out there because of either um, you know shutdowns or, or supply chains or supply chain problems or um, or people quarantined from, and haven't been able to work and so, um, so so that's what's keeping prices high as that starts to fade um, uh, we're expecting that that will sort of slingshot back the other in the other direction um, and so deflation. Um, question after that is, you know, do you, do you head into a period of deflation, and then, then as as the economies recover, you know, do you, do you then go back into a period of inflation because of uh, because supply chains are, are starting to fracture because of um, people moving out of China and a number of other places? There's there's certainly a few issues around there. Um, there's lots of issues with with energy at the moment, um, and I think there's a uh, we're, we're going to see a a, a quite rapid, a much more rapid um, shift now to renewables than what we're expecting, which is which is great for um, energy inflation in the in the medium term and the long term. We'll actually see uh, energy stop being a volatile part of the uh, of 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 the, the whole inflation package and actually become very stable because it'll be based on um, uh, much more on solar power and, and and batteries. And so you'll probably see that. Um, you know, coming down over time, uh, so 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 that's that's positive. But in the short term, until we get there, um, there can be some there's going to be some quite volatile spikes and um, in in energy as uh, we don't see a, a lot of investment on that on that oil or gas side at the moment, 
and then supply just sort of bounces up and down trying to meet that um trying to meet that point nice one demo um yeah that that sums it up nicely we haven't had any uh, other questions come through so that almost wraps us up so damien just want to thank you for your for your time your knowledge your insights as always thanks sam uh, great. And we do welcome your feedback on this podcast, especially, especially in re uh, relation to future topics. So if you do have any ideas, please drop it in the comments section below or send us an email at contact at nucleuswealth.com. Just a reminder, this is general advice and does not take into account your personal situation. If you do want to discuss your financial situation, please go to our website at nucleuswealth.com and you can book a call with me or one of the team. Don't forget to like the video now. And finally, if you know of anyone that might get some value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you can please share it with them. Also, if you'd like to see more of our previous episodes and content, head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash content. And to stay up to date with news from us, you can follow us on all social media. So for myself, Damien, and the rest of the team at Nucleus Wealth, thanks for watching, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.